2: This is Al Jepson, and you are listening to Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net.
0: And Oladipo wants it again, approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority. McKee gets it in the middle.
3: Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk dot and officially with CLNS Media, isn't that right, Fachi?
1: Yes, it is very excited for that. I mean this is a great opportunity for us and uh, Could have done it without the listeners.
3: Exactly. So we appreciate all you guys listening to our show. We want to give a shout-out to CLNS Media for picking us up and allowing us to be part of their great network. And if you're a basketball fan, they've got some great shows on there for you. I love Keith Smith and the front office show. Uh, Just some really good insight on, you know, the way the front office is run and things that I'm not the greatest with with is front office numbers. And then you got the B-Ball Breakdown podcast as well. So just a lot of great basketball podcasts over there along with ours – on setting the pace, but this is episode 49, and Focci, you know what is crazy? We're recording this right now, and it is 49 days until the NBA season is officially back. Unbelievable, man.
1: It's perfectly fitting. I mean, basketball fever, it's in the air. You know, Alex, we were gone for a week, and I missed talking Pacer basketball (laughs) so much that I'm very
3: excited to be back here today. I have to admit, Focci, I, I celebrated my birthday last Tuesday, and I was just kind of thinking to myself, I miss seeing Fauci's face in my little corner here talking talking Pacers basketball. There's no doubt about it. But uh, we're back today. and We've got two great guests coming on today's show. we got Rowan Cotty in the first segment. And then our last segment, we're going to have Scoop B coming on just to talk about the Pacers and how they look in the Eastern Conference compared to the Eastern Conference and the moves they made, what he thinks about them. And I might just have to ask him about his tweet that he put out, which I think you might be interested in, where he said that Carmelo Anthony is a better offensive player than LeBron James. So uh, I'll let you save up all your ammo for that, Foxy, for that part of the show, because I'm definitely going to ask him about that, because I completely disagree with it, but I already put that on Twitter, so it's not like I'm hiding anything. But yeah, we will talk about that with Scoop, and then, of course, uh, no Featured Fan of the Week this week. We missed him last week. Our Featured Fan of the Week had an issue come up, but we will be doing that segment on our YouTube channel. You can find that YouTube channel at Alex Golden NBA if you're looking for it. It's under my name. Uh, we don't actually have a setting the pace channel, it's just under my name, Alex Golden NBA. So if you want to check that out, we will share that link. And we've got a great fan coming on, so I'm excited for that. But anyway, Fachi, Team USA played today. Miles Turner, what'd you think of that crazy win in overtime?
1: Oh, Team USA played is one way to put it. I uh, didn't play that great, but they managed to squeak it out. That was some drama at the end. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was, there was about two different times I thought the game was over. But, managed to squeak out a victory, and in the end, that's all that matters. So, how did Miles do in that game? Uh, nearly a double-double. I believe it was 11-9, and nine, I yeah, believe. I like that. So, he, he was on the floor at the end. Actually had a costly turnover. Nearly cost Team USA, but in the end... Uh, turkey missed i believe it was four free throws at the end oh. of the game so kind of a little bit of a choke job but <laughs> hey you know in the end a win is a win you got to get it any means necessary and uh jason tatum came through hit two out of three free throws for some overtime and chris middleton managed to uh finish the job with some game-winning free throws in overtime
3: well there we go i love seeing team usa succeed i know Everybody has kind of been, like, ragging on Team USA this year and saying nobody wants to play for them. Where's the pride for the country? But, like, this is just the FIBA World Cup. It's not the Olympics, which is what we prioritize here in America. I mean, this is still fun to watch, and I think it's great for Miles Turner and our young guys to be getting this, you know, opportunity. But another young guy for the Pacers that's playing for his country is Domas Sabonis, and he's starting next to Jonas Valanciunas, Two big guys playing next to each other, and he's looked pretty good, and I've seen some of the highlights from his games, and I haven't watched much of the uh, World Cup because I've been so busy, but the highlights that I've seen, I mean, Sabonis, he just makes some ridiculous passes that you don't expect to see from a big man.
1: He's honestly, it looks like he's taking his game to the next level. He has had some great performances for Lithuania, and I just think that uh, it, it's, it's looking pretty good out there. Um, Sabonis this summer he, he's got to have fans
3: excited. I know I am. Oh me too. And one thing we need to touch on: Eric Gordon last week was given a contract extension by the Houston Rockets. So I know some Indiana fans were wondering maybe he could be someone they could go after in, you know, the upcoming free agency. But that also goes to say, hey, there's another person off the market for next year. Someone that needs to be extended possibly is Domas Sabonis before the season starts. We've talked about it before, but do you think the pressure's on the Pacers to get an extension done before the season starts?
1: I don't know if the pressure is on them, but it should be. Domas is someone who, the the more that guys are getting locked up, the more of a demand there's going to be for Sabonis come the offseason. I think the Pacers have to get ahead of it. I firmly believe that he's primed for a breakout year. He's taken a big step forward in each of his seasons in the NBA thus far. So all signs point to him taking that next step this year. I think you want to get ahead of it, similar to what the Pacers did for Miles Turner. I think if you can lock up Sabonis now, it could be in that same ballpark as Miles Turner's deal, starting at around $18
3: million. And for that, I feel comfortable with it. Lock him up, don't let him go, and don't overpay for him either. Because like we mentioned... There's not a lot of free agents out there this summer, and there's going to be a team that's like, oh, we're going to overpay for Sabonis and prime away from Indiana because he's that good of a player, and the Pacers are going to have to make a very tough decision. Do we match it, or do we just let him walk because we're not willing to pay that much? And personally, I just think it's better to get it done before the offseason gets here, and lock him up long term and if things don't work out with him and miles then you make your decision in a couple of years or after the season's over and you could trade one of them i mean they both have if they, if they both sign similar contracts they're going to have friendly deals that they could easily be moved and i think there's teams out there that are looking for guys like turner and sabonis to help solidify their roster i mean look at boston right now they're starting center is enos Cantor. <laughs> well he's okay i mean i'm just I'm not trusting him in the playoffs. He has zero defense, too. I mean, got played off the court. We know the infamous words from Billy Donovan, can't play Cantor. So, you know, I think they'd be willing to go after one of our centers, and we've talked about that before. There's obviously been rumors, possibly, about a Jalen Brown swap for Sabonis or whatever, but that's something that I would keep an eye on is just getting Sabonis, obtaining the asset, and then figuring out what you want to do later. And if they work out together, don't trade any of them. I mean, if Sabonis and Turner play well together, there's no reason to trade him.
1: I firmly agree and I think that, you know, Pritchard said all the right things. I have all the faith in Pritchard. I'm gonna trust that, that he's got this covered. I know that, you know, we're forty nine days away from the season, so a lot could happen in that time and I hope that something that does happen is locking up Sabonis long term. All right, Fachi. Well, you ready to bring on our first guest?
3: I'm ready. Bring him on. Joining us right now on setting the pace is a good friend of mine. Rowan Cotty, he still covers the Bucks from behind the Buck Pass as a full time student in his last semester right now. So, Rowan, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on. I, I, it's a running joke with me and Rowan. I mean, every every time I talk to him before we podcast, I say, are yeah, you still in school? Because it's just going to be a while. He's going to be in school for a while. But that, that means good things for him. But anyway, we're here to talk about the president, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, former Milwaukee Buck, and is now the starting point guard of the Indiana Pacers. Rowan, we did a point guard chronicle at the beginning of free agency before really free agency even started. And it was one of our most listened to episodes where we talked about Malcolm Brogdon and George Hill. And you kind of gave some insight on that. But I want you to just look at this Pacers roster and look at this addition of Brogdon. He is the full-time starting point guard for the Pacers. You know what, what did you think of the signing number one or the move, I should say, the trade? And then what do you think about his fit with this team?
4: Uh well well I think it was a great signing for the Pacers because uh people might say that the contract numbers were a little high but that's what was needed to get him away from Milwaukee cuz he was a restricted free agent and it was a little out of Milwaukee's price range so to get uh Brogdon who they really wanted who's going to be a good fit for them they had to pay a little bit but it'll I think it'll pay off because he's a solid um point guard he's a combo guard uh, he can run the, uh, run the point, and went with this roster, especially with Oladipo out for the first uh, part of the season, he can sort of lead an offense. But then once Oladipo comes back, he can sort of sort of shift into a smaller role, and he can he picks his spots. Uh, I just think he'll be a great fit.
1: You know, Rohan. while well, you mentioned how he kind of picks his spots. He's a great fit for the team. Do you think that he could take his game to the next level, or is it more about being consistent moving forward?
4: Uh, Well, you're always going to get consistency with him. That's one of his trademarks. It's why he was such a highly regarded free agent. But I actually do think there is another level he can take his game to. When he was in Milwaukee, he wasn't really necessarily a featured piece. He was behind Giannis. He was behind uh, Middleton. He was behind Bledsoe. Uh, so he was at best the fourth option in the starting lineup. But with Indiana, he's not going to have as many people in front of him. So I think he really has a chance to shine.
3: Well, my, my biggest question, I mean, obviously we know that there are some injury concerns with Malcolm Brogdon and his foot, and I think that we should be really concerned about that. But you look at other point guards in the NBA, most of your high-profile high, pro, high profile point guards are just you know guys that can create their own shot, guys that can get to the basket at will, and can you know really just take over a game? Now, I don't really necessarily see that in Brogdon, but is there something that maybe he's holding back from us where we could actually see him become a you know a guy that can create his own shot and you know put his team on on his back? You know when when it comes time for that to happen,
4: I definitely think he can take to somewhat of that level. He's obviously not going to be like a Damian Lillard or even like a Kemba Walker, uh, but. I do think that he can, at times, he's worked on his, his dribble, is, um, it's uh, it's improved every year, he's been in the league, he's gotten much, much better at sort of working off the dribble, shooting off the dribble, just sort of getting his own shot, he didn't do a lot of that in Milwaukee, because there's a, there a lot of ball movement, at, uh, and I, like I said, he was like the fourth option in the starting lineup, so he didn't really get a chance to do it, but... You see flashes here and there, and he's only he's only getting better. He's only been in the league a couple of years, even though he's a little older. He's going to be 27 this December, if I'm correct on that. And But he's, still, he's shown he can improve, and I don't see why he can't in that regard. So we
1: now live in the era of stats. Uh, Brogdon's coming from his third year in the NBA. He's entering his fourth, but he entered an elite company by being in the 50-40-90 club. Now, he was the eighth member, but is it possible for him to repeat that and be just the third member to join that club behind Steve Nash and uh, Larry Bird? Is that possible?
4: It might be possible, given how consistent he is. I would weigh on that a little because he's going to have, uh, it's going to be higher volume uh, shooting for him this season. So there's uh, there's still a chance he's done it once i wouldn't put him past him to do it again because it's it's remarkable that he did it in the first place so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna doubt him but i do think it'll be a little more difficult having a more featured role on the team
3: now let's look at the other side of the basketball the defensive side something i've liked about brogdon he's always been a solid defender but i don't know much about how great of a defender he is so what are some of the things that you like about his defense
4: he always knows where to be he's not going to get lost in a coverage he's not the quickest guy laterally so he will have some trouble with uh shiftier guards uh but he is he is a bigger he's a stronger guy so he can usually sort of stay in front of people but he's he's a smart defender which sort of makes up for his lack of lateral athleticism so i i think he's a, he's definitely a plus defender so
1: you talked about before how
4: you know it was tough
1: the Pacers had to kind of give Brogdon a, a fair amount of money in order to get him away from the Bucks. But do you think that they could have still acquired him without offering that first and two second round picks? Were were the Bucks bluffing in regards to potentially matching, or do you think that's what had to happen in order to bring him to Indiana?
4: I do think it needed to happen to include those picks because, like, it's it was still possible for the Bucks to match his offer sheet. There's a large faction of Bucks fans who think they should still have done it regardless of the picks. But whatever, we're past that. Uh, But he did like getting those draft assets was very important because the the Bucks don't really have money. Like, this is their first they. Uh, first-round pick they can trade because they already have some tied up in the future that's, I think, now going to uh, Boston and uh, Cleveland. And those have some protections on them, so the Stepien rule kicks in. So it's difficult to acquire sort of uh, trade assets when those picks are tied up. So getting the picks was very important for future moves.
3: So my last question for you, Rowan, about Malcolm Brogdon is – what is your favorite thing that he brings to the table overall as a player?
4: Oh, a tough question. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to say, like, he, I, I want to say his, um, his shooting, but like his ability to stretch the floor but he he doesn't really shoot a lot unless he's wide open but if he is wide open he's more like he's gonna uh he's gonna knock him down on a consistent level but i would probably say his versatility because he can play as i said earlier he can play both guard spots he can pick his spots he like he can run an offense he can sort of be in the flow of an offense so i'd say his versatility
1: for for my last question before i let you go you know the bucks elected to bring back guys like Chris Middleton, uh, Brooke Lopez. Um, they obviously then brought in like Wesley Matthews, Robin Lopez. So they spent quite a lot of money to mostly bring back the same team, uh, adding a couple players. But what drop-off do you think they might see without Brogdon?
4: I think there will be a- – there will be, obviously, some drop-off. They're going to be a worse team than they were last year. Would, does that necessarily matter? That's uh, that's up for debate, and I guess we'll see this upcoming season. But they uh, there's def, there's guys on the roster who can sort of replace the skills, but not to the level of which Malcolm Brogdon can do it, like Dante DiVincenzo, who was their first-round pick, uh, back in 2018 who missed a bunch of the season with heel bursitis he is looking like a guy who can fill a lot of the same roles that malcolm brogdon did but he's obviously not as good he's not as experienced sterling brown is another guy who they replaced uh brogdon in the starting lineup when brogdon was injured uh during the first round series uh series against the pistons so he can he can fill some of those roles. He can be a uh, smart defender, a tough defender, and hit some threes, but he's not going to necessarily have the driving ability or the ability to necessarily uh, run an offense like Brogdon does. But like there's there are guys who can fill his role, but not to the same uh, degree that Brogdon did it.
3: Gotcha. Well, I have a bonus question because I thought about it earlier. and forgot to ask it. So if you're okay with that, uh, <laughs> one bonus Go question for, for you. Back to the defensive part of Malcolm Brogdon, like, the Pacers lost their best perimeter defender in Thaddeus Young. I mean, obviously, people will be there, but I'm talking about guys that can, you know, guard threes and bigger. Brogdon's not the biggest guy, but is there a way that we could see him, you know, guarding one through three uh, defensively?
4: He definitely, he could hold his own. He's not going to get bullied against threes. He's, he's a sturdy uh, guy. He's very muscular he can hold his own he's not going to get absolutely demolished on the defensive end going up against bigger guys but it's not necessarily ideal
3: right okay cool deal i just i just wasn't sure because we are going to need some help at that defensive position at the three i mean we have jeremy lamb i think he's a solid defender uh tj warren is somebody that has not really been known for their defense and he's looking to start with, uh, with Oladipo when he comes back so yeah just trying to figure out how they would go about guarding players but it's a it's a real interesting thing to see and I love the addition I think our roster is really pretty wing heavy right now so we'll be seeing a lot of mix ma- mix and match different lineups but Rowan we really appreciate your time go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at on Twitter
4: uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at R-K-A-T-T-I-J-R and uh, my writing at BehindTheBuckPass.com
3: Awesome, man. Well, we thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you later. Okay, Bye, thank you very on. much. Pacer fans, I encourage you guys to check out PacersTalk.net where we have launched a brand new website earlier this summer where we're covering the team going forward. You can look at the roster, see what new players are on the team. You can check out the articles we have. Our YouTube channels on there as well. Make sure you guys check it out. And of course, you can hear all of our podcasts on PacersTalk.net. Let's get back to the show. Alrighty everybody, we are joined right now by the one and only Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. You can follow him on Twitter at Scoop B. What's up, my man? How you doing?
2: I'm good. Just working hard, taking a little writing break to catch up with you guys. Thanks for having me on.
3: Absolutely. We love having guests on our show, especially guests that are gonna inform us and you know give us some insight on the NBA. So First things first, I, I, I got to say, I called you out on Twitter a little bit when you put out your Carmelo Anthony is a better offensive player than LeBron James, and before we came on, you said that you felt like it was taken out of context, so would you like to kind of explain your your, your thought on all this?
2: Yeah, I think that Carmelo Anthony um, has a better arsenal of moves uh, throughout his career, um, and what I should have said it was a slow weekend. I was actually in a meeting with Puma and I was actually having a conversation with my rep and we were talking about it. And um, what I should have said was he was a better scorer uh, throughout his career, uh, his volume of scoring, having a better jumper, a uh, wet jumper. If, I, if the game was on the line in their prime, uh, I would give the ball to Carmelo uh, to hit a last second shot. And, and um, because offense – You you, you include passing and and assists, and obviously LeBron is a better passer uh, in in that concept. So I should have said scorer. I don't don't regret tweeting it because at least it sparked a conversation. At the end (laughs) of the day, um, I think Carmelo Anthony should be on one uh, of 30 NBA teams, Uh, you guys and your Pacers being the local team, but uh, I I think it's a travesty that he's not. So um, even though the word scorer wasn't used, um, I think to go from – starting on an NBA team two years ago or three seasons ago to being treated worse than the, than the than chopped liver um, is a testament to just um, how far uh, we've gone. And, and I think that Melo should get more credit than he than, than he's getting. And um, if it sparks some attention for people to be talking about Carmelo, cool. Um, but at the same time, scorer should have probably been the word that I use rather than offensive, because like I said, you calculate passing and uh, offensive as an offensive option to pass it to your teammate. And, you know, I didn't see your tweet, but I'm I'm sure you, like many other people, um, had something to say about it, and you know, rightly so. It's good to have a conversation going during a long Labor Day weekend.
1: Scoop, you don't need to apologize about anything. I saw Twitter coming at you, and Mello was a walking bucket in his time, and I still think he has it. And he <laughs> oh has an God. arsenal of moves, and <laughs> I, I gotta say, you know, I don't get enough support on the Mello train, but. He's got to be on an NBA team. I personally think he's still good for 14 points per game, Uh, just uh, on a pretty good team. And do you think we're going to see it this year?
2: Um, I do think so at some point. Um, I think that at the end of the day, um, it comes down to the right fit. I think that many people treat uh, Carmelo Anthony and his comments about starting um, as just a detriment. What do you expect somebody to say? I think that at the end of the day, a lot of people are treating, you know, Carmelo Anthony and that whole starting comment during the OKC uh, press conference when he went over to the Thunder. um, They're treating him kind of like Allen Iverson uh, when he discussed, you know, his role and whether he should be starting in Detroit. And then. Seasons ago, Carmelo Anthony was putting up numbers. I mean, if you really look at it, six seasons ago, uh, he was close. You know, he was, if I'm not mistaken, was the scoring champion or was close to it and, you know, put up huge numbers. And I think that you know in an nba where the goal is to put the ball in the bucket um, kobe bryant was a ball hog so was alan iverson why can't carmelo anthony go into a situation as a pure scorer on a lakers organization or a a, a, a brooklyn nets organization that could use him after you know uh wilson chandler's out for 25 games so uh, i don't want to ramble but i do think there are some places for, for carmelo anthony where he could end up
3: and I don't disagree that Carmelo Anthony is talented enough to be on an NBA roster. I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said it depends on the fit and where he belongs. But, you know, back to your back to your point, I kind of agree that Carmelo obviously was a better offensive scorer than LeBron in his prime. But I think LeBron has become such a great scorer. The, the more he's been in the league, the more he's developed that three-point shot. But right now... Would you say that LeBron is the better scorer right now compared to Carmelo Anthony, or do you? Well, I, I haven't is... seen
2: Carmelo. I've only seen Carmelo Anthony play in eight games. Um, and and what I'll fair. tell you is, and what I'll tell you is this: um, I think that, that that situation in Oklahoma uh, was a train wreck because he wasn't even the second option; he was the third or fourth option. You know, yeah. Paul George was number two, and then Steven, Steven Adams arguably is number three. Um, I think that people are ready to write him off and and, and basically call Carmelo old, um, and he's a year older than LeBron. You know, and LeBron t- tore his um ham or his hamstring in, in uh, on the Christmas Day game. So, I think to answer your question, I give I give LeBron the upper hand only because of the amount of tape that I've seen. But I tell you what, in that game when he played for the Houston Rockets against the Brooklyn Nets, I watched that game and he was very aggressive. Um, Twenty eight points, exactly. You know, and that was on a Chris Paul. <laughs> Um Chris Paul, James Harden dominated a Rockets team. And so I, I I'll say to you that, you know, in eight games, I don't think you can really compare that to what did LeBron play like 50, 60 games this past season?
1: It's probably close to it, like fifty-five or so.
2: LeBron gets the upper hand because obviously he, he's playing more because he's he's still at the at his peak. But um I think any team that gets Carmelo Anthony is gonna get a scorer. I think people, you know, my, my buddy, I, I'm a writer at Heavy.com, and uh, Sean DeVenny, a fellow writer at Heavy.com, put on an article today uh, discussing um, that they're trying to change that narrative of, of the Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder as it relates to just how things were played out. And I think that when you look at that situation in Oklahoma, like I said, he was a third or fourth option at best. And in that situation in Houston, he really made a mistake by signing with Houston, in my opinion, because um, – you're playing with a coach at like Mike D'Antoni, who you didn't get along with in New York with the Knicks. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. I think Russell Westbrook's going to have that same problem in Houston. Not to that magnitude, um, but, you know, he and, in my opinion, he and D'Antoni are not going to get along at, at, at
3: first. D'Antoni, D'Antoni's going to get fired then. You think so? Well, I mean, didn't uh, they just clear house with who was all the assistant coaches? There you go.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I knew one of them. Awesome. one of his assistants. Had him on the Scoopy Radio podcast. And, um, you know, they're really tightening the reins. They were, there was a fire sale in Houston uh, this offseason. And, you know, obviously you saw Chris Paul go and P.J. Tucker and, and, and James Harden were untouchables. But um, it's going to be interesting what happens in Houston this season.
1: Also failed to come to terms on a contract agreement for Tony. So it looks like I don't know if they have the faith of potentially four or five years. Probably wanted to give him a bit of a smaller deal. So – a lot hinges on the Westbrook experience, in my opinion.
3: For sure. For sure. All right, well, let's shift things back to the Eastern Conference with the Indiana Pacers. Let's just talk about the offseason they had. Were you a fan or not a fan? Um, I like the Malcolm Brogdon
2: signing, honestly. I mean, you kind of knew, uh, <clears throat> with all due respect, when he made the comments about Milwaukee and the diversity of Milwaukee, Um, I kind of felt like that might have been the nail in the coffin, but he went to Indiana. I don't, I've never been to Indiana. I passed through it. Um, I I, got to make that happen, but, um, when I look at it from a basketball perspective, um, I, I, I like what you've added to the pot. You know, I, I've, I like Justin Holliday, a guy who I've had on the Scoopy Radio podcast. I like to see him healthy and really excel in year two. But I also like to see a healthy Victor Olavidepo, um kind of come in and do what he needs to do. Because when I look at that Pacers team, um, they were able to accomplish a lot without, uh, you know, with him being out. Uh, but really, they were like a, a deer in headlights when it came time to the playoffs. And I, and I really, really think that a healthy Pacers team can compete in a um, almost like a – some may argue a a non-claimed Eastern Conference. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Pacers are able to do this season. But Malcolm Brogdon pretty much punctuated you guys' offseason. And I think Miles Turner um, is going to have a a, a decent year, um, really and truly. I want to see him have – Anthony Davis in Oklahoma-type uh, numbers, excuse me, Anthony Davis in, in New Orleans-type numbers um, this year. Um, I think he can do it, and I think that that team is going to be a, an interesting young team to watch. I think they're kind of going to replace the Charlotte Hornets because you lose Kimball Walker, and it's like that kind of excels the Pacers in, as far as, you know, a, a spot in the Eastern Conference and what they can do competitively. Like, I, I, But I really do think that the Pacers could do something significant.
1: Hey, well, I really hope you're right in regards to an Anthony Davis-like uh, year because that would be a pretty big jump for Miles Turner, and I'm all for it. But the Pacers having won 48 games each of the last two years, they recently lost the likes of, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, Darren Collison, Thad Young, mm-hmm. Corey Joseph, but they had potential upgrades in talent. All the guys that we mentioned before, you know, the, the Brogdons, the T.J. Warrens, um, the Justin Hollidays, Jeremy Lamb, do you think the upgrade in talent can be a step up from the chemistry that they might've lost.
2: Yeah. And I, and I got the holidays confused. I already knew Aaron was on there and Justin's on there too. So you got the brother, brother thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Milwaukee with the signings of the Well, re-signing of Brook and, and signing of Robin. But um, I do like what I see with the Pacers because I think that, um, I think they're not exactly the Chicago Bulls. Um, as far as this young talent on the team, um, even though they lost Bonjanovic, like you said, they added pieces in Holiday. They, they added pieces in T.J. McConnell. I like the T.J. McConnell signing. Um, it, it reminds me so much of um, when the Cavs didn't re-sign, um, what's number eight, the, the point guard that ended no, up coming to no. Milwaukee. Yeah, it felt like a Del, Del-, Del-, Del- signing in Milwaukee. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the thing with T.J. is T.J. can shoot. TJ's a scrappy guy, but TJ is a leader. I kinda of feel like TJ for the for the for the Pacers is going to be what JJ Redick was for the Sixers.
3: Okay. And I'm not
2: just saying that cuz he's short and white.
3: <laughs> no, I mean I agree with you. I think that there's obviously some potential there with McConnell just being that bench leader because they need some veterans and they're so young now. Uh they went from having a bunch of 30-year-olds to I think the oldest guy on the team is 27 right now. So definitely yeah. have had a big change in the direction they're going, but I think that's a big nail. Now, me and Fachi talked about this in the first segment. Domas Sabonis, you know, playing next to Miles Turner is a big question mark, but the upcoming free agent class is not very big, and Sabonis is a part of that restricted free agent class. Do you think the Pacers should try to get an extension with him before the season starts so that way they don't get outbid when the offseason comes?
2: I do. When I look at Sabonis, I think Mason Plumlee in Brooklyn with the Nets. Okay. Um, to me, he's a guy that can stretch the floor. He's a guy that can rebound. I think that Turner and Sabonis kind of, maybe if you will, you said that they can't play on the floor together. Well, my experience being around the Nets, both in New Jersey and, in, and on the New York side in Brooklyn, is I remember guys like Keith Van Horn and, and Kenyon Martin kind of finding a way to coexist. I look at those two guys the same way. I think Turner defensively can help them if he latches on. I think that I think that offensively, Sabonis can spread the floor. He can he can get to the basket. He can rebound. And I think that bringing in a tall guy like a tall guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who can handle the ball at the assumingly at the point guard position, um, and and with um, McConnell coming in as a backup guy, reminds me so much of a, of a Sixers team two years ago. Um, when they were trying to figure it out, and a lot of people were doubting them, I think that you can sh- spread the floor, run the run the fast break. All those guys on that team look like they can run. You look at Jeremy Lamb, who I believe is on that roster as well. Um, he's a scorer. I really feel like they could be a blue-collar Philadelphia Seventy Sixers team, um, and 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 shoot, run run the break, um, and, and be effective. I like Justin Holiday. I see you see a lot of guys who were role players or who guys who were kind of fringe guys on that roster. That were that could really develop their identity in a new system, and I and I like it. So to answer your question about Sabonis, I like them. You know, they say something about you know second generation basketball players. They're something special, and I think that because that's the case, you got to be a little patient with them. Clay Thompson wasn't an NBA All Star overnight. Steph Curry, damn sure wasn't an NBA All Star overnight. But those guys are second-generation ball players. Heck, Kobe Bryant wasn't a, a, a Kobe Bryant as we know him now overnight. So by no means am I comparing Sabonis to any to, to, to Kobe. But I think you need to be a little patient with him. And um, I mean, he has experience being the Lithuanian player of the year uh, a couple a year or so ago. So got to be patient. But but I like the Pacers because you know there's experience, there's friends, and there's also just guys trying to make a name for themselves.
1: Man, it would have been so much cooler. if – Kobe, I mean, Sabonis Woods being compared to Kobe, but, you know, no, I know no one can make that comparison. But, you know, the Pacers retooled. They brought in a, a team that's – they're younger, they have more depth, and they're more athletic. But what do you think they're lacking in order to take that next step to truly contend with the best teams in the league? A name. A it's name.
2: going
1: to be tough?
2: Um, it is going to be tough. Like, you, you look at just what the Pacers have lacked – since the departure of Paul George, and I know that's still a sensitive spot for you guys. It is, um, and, and my condolences. But when I look <laughs> at that situation with, you know, just the Pacers, they've had a hard time having a name. Like I feel like, in my opinion, if I'm wrong, correct me. You haven't really seen any Pacer guy be a household name since Paul George, and before that, would you consider Ron Artest or Reggie Miller, uh, the big names that you guys have had? I think it's establishing a culture. I was on a, I was on a. A sports feed over in Chicago, and I talked about the Bulls and I talked about, you know, going into free agency. And they were, this was obviously before the free agency splash that happened, and we were discussing just Chicago as a destination. And I said, listen, man, in this day and age, you can't sell Michael Jordan Chicago to. Um, These guys in free agency and and, and to couple that most of these young guys that are coming into the league now, they know Michael as a a Washington wizard, uh, not as a Chicago bull. And so to that point, when you look at the Pacers, what culture are you establishing that you can you can make Indianapolis a selling point at this point? No disrespect to your city, but like. I feel like they have a young core. I think acquiring Malcolm Brogdon in the off season and you know building around a young core with, with, with Justin Holiday, who you know knows the Central Division very well, just adding pieces on, maybe you will grab a name that 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 will make that splash and will make that team whole.
3: So, what do you think is the best way for them to go out and get a name? Is it through the draft? Obviously, free agency is not something that they've been successful in with getting a big name. So, draft or trade? Yeah,
2: I think within the last 10, 15 years,
3: I look at two teams who've been
2: able to to to, to impressively do that. Uh, one most recently is the Utah Jazz. I mean, you drafted Donovan Mitchell. You you add Mike Conley this offseason. season. Um, you know, you you add Moutier, who some thought would be a star. You know, going to the league in Denver and then coming to the Knicks. And I feel like I feel like the, the, that 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 jazz team is a team that has built through drafting through free agency and just being prudent. You know, you have Rudy Gobert. That's a selling boy. I mean, I've heard people in the past say, what black people do you know that want to go to Utah? It's a whole different culture now, you know, and and they're really wanting to win. So when you look at that Utah jazz team, they're building their core around Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. You add Mike Conley, uh, Bojan goes to, you know, with Utah. And then you have guys like Joe English, who's, who's the OG. You add Jeff green, this off season, you add that Davis. Uh, I I think that same formula would help with the Pacers. Uh, And then more recently um, you you look at the um, Oklahoma city thunder, uh, who, you know, moved from Seattle went to the, went to Oklahoma with Russell and had, you know, Kevin Durant. And then you added uh, James Harden. I mean, that was a team that that went to the finals in 2012 against a Miami, a more experienced Miami heat team, but, you really could build up a winning culture like that in Indiana the same way.
1: I hope so. Trade has always been. Trade in the draft has always been the way for the Pacers, and they've utilized all resources. I think they built a pretty good team. But, you know, we touched on how crazy this offseason really was. And with Kawhi going out west, the Bucks basically bringing back the same team and the Sixers and Celtics just retooling. Where do you see the Pacers being able to finish in the East with a healthy Depot, of course?
2: I mean, it's going to be interesting because you talked about the Sixers, you talked about the pace, or excuse me, the uh, Bucks actually pretty much bringing back their whole cast. Um, You look at Brooklyn; you know, they're out. KD is out likely for the season, um, Mm -hmm. but then you know you you still have Kyrie who has to prove himself. I think everybody's gung ho about what Brooklyn did this off season, but Kyrie's got to be healthy. You guys know that from the Central Division during Cleveland. Healthy Kyrie's dangerous. You know, so to answer your question, yeah, I think that I think that the Sixers and the the Bucks are are threats, but you know, also in the Eastern Conference, I think uh, a a team that may surprise a lot of people is the Knicks. Um, I like their core. I like their core guys. I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy. But I like the fact that they added Bobby Portis, a guy that's tough, and you guys know well. Um, I like the fact that, you know, they got to pick in R.J. Barrett. Do I think Do I think that they're going to be a, a playoff team? I'm not sure, but I, but I do think they're going to surprise a lot of people, particularly because the Hornets are going to take a step back this season. Miami's going to be interesting to look at this season. Um, I also think that the Atlanta Hawks are going to do a lot better this season. Playoff team, I don't know. But I do think that when you look at the young teams that are in the Eastern Conference right now, um, a healthy Detroit Pistons team, they started out hot this season or last season, and then they ended up falling to the eighth spot and losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um But I think that the most steady teams right now are the Bucks, the Sixers, um, and, and some would bet that the, that the Nets would still do okay. But I do think that there are some teams that are going to fluctuate. I, I wonder how the Washington Wizards are going to do this season without John Wall but with a Bradley Bill that's healthy all season. I think that, you know, the Cavaliers are a young team still, but you saw Seti Osmond and how he played in the Olympics. Who's to say he won't take that, that – kind that con- or FIBA, rather. Who's to say he won't take that confidence into the season uh, and do some damage So I think that the Eastern Conference is wide open And while people are probably like How the hell would he say to the Knicks I know they are end the workings of with some of those The guys are doing in that organization I definitely don't think they'll win just 12 or 15 or 16 games this season But I definitely think they could At the very least win 30, 35 games Maybe 40 games this season um, But I think that there's room for the Pacers to do well Particularly because they did it uh, Without uh, Oladipo last season
3: Yeah and I think that You know where there's been so many moves that we're all just eager to see how these teams play out. Now there's always going to be teams that make moves where you think they're going to be great and they always fall short and vice versa teams that don't make a ton of moves, but they have a great core that comes back and they overachieve, you know, kind of like Portland did last year. So I I agree with you. I think that, you know, we might be a little bit too low on the Knicks because they didn't like sign bad players. They just signed (laughs) all the same positions. So, you know, I think that's how
2: think about it. Who's to say that the Raptors are going to the playoffs this year? They lost. They lost. Not only did they lose um,
3: Kawhi Leonard, they lost Danny Green. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know they lost players, but I still think they have a good core there, good <laughs> coaching do. staff. They uh, do, but this is,
2: but this, but again, this is now the Raptors when LeBron was kicking their ass.
3: Yeah, I mean, without DeRozan too, so. But, yeah. But see, Ockham has become a better player. They still have this Marcus Saul still- who's a solid veteran, Ibaka. Uh if OG and Anobi's healthy, I think he's a solid com- uh contributor. And then of course Fred Van Vliet last year was so money for them. I think that he could have a huge, you know, growth spurt sure. this year as well. So I mean, I don't want to count the Raptors out of the playoffs because I feel like Toronto's always overlooked sure. anyway by us. <laughs> but um sure. but anyway, as far as the Pacers go, my last question for you as we wrap this up is Where do you think they finish in the standings? Um, I know you said that you think Milwaukee and Philly are probably the top two teams, but where do you see the Pacers falling at if you had to do your prediction? And I'll tell you what,
2: I'll add Boston only because I don't sleep on Cantor. (coughs) excuse me, and I don't sleep on Kimba Walker. Kimba (laughs) has something to prove. Yeah. Um, He has something to prove. And I, I think that when you look at the, the the Pacers, who finished fifth last year, as we mentioned at the beginning, forty eight and thirty four uh, overall this season, um, I, I definitely could see them battling for somewhere between six between six and eighth. Um, I look at Orlando. I look at the situation with um, them able to uh, maintain Vucevic. I think that the, the the Magic makes the Magic are an interesting case study. Will they maintain with that seventh seed this year? Um, and i and i and i mentioned the hawks earlier as a team that may surprise a lot of people who are going through a developmental phase the bottom the bottom of the nba's eastern conference may look a lot different last season this past season in comparison to this coming season um and so i think that that bottom part of that team is going to do a lot or of that 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 standing is going to do a lot better some of those teams than they did this past season and i think that you know the pacers because they're young because they do return victor oladipo but they have some other pieces i do think that they can still be a playoff team but i envision them somewhere between six and eight
3: so who are the five teams you have above them
2: um milwaukee philadelphia boston um, did I say Brooklyn?
3: Not yet, but I would hold my breath on that one. <laughs> you would? Why would you hold your breath on that? Well, because I don't have Kevin Durant. Did you see what Kyrie did last year in Boston? I mean, come on, now they're yeah. uh, they're uh, and they got DeAndre Jordan and you know Wilson Chandler suspended. I think that team is just one of those teams that maybe uh, might be a little bit overhyped. Even
2: with the core that they had last season coming off the bench, because every great playoff team has a good bench.
0: Well, you that's
3: fine, that. but they had D'Angelo Russell, a young player that was their age, kind of playing with them. Now they're going to have Kyrie as their leader trying to show them how to play the game, and we know what but Kyrie they also, can do.
2: But they also have Karis LeVert,
3: who well, yeah, was a borderline fine, All-Star. Yeah, but got to stay healthy.
2: Yeah, but I'll add this. Before D'Angelo Russell came into the fold, they did have Spencer Dinwiddie. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie could legitimately start if Kyrie messes up. And they have a core of a, of, of a starting five that can still do damage. You still have a Joe Harris who can shoot the lights out. You have Karras who can demand a double team. You still do have um, a Jared Allen who was developing. Um, he, he's not an all star. But how many teams in the NBA have a center that's actually a center? Well, the Pacers got two. This is true. So do you do you consider Sabonis and Miles Turner that or do are you who are you talking about? Yeah, I, both, I think both centers. centers. <laughs> and that whole center debate is something interesting, because I think when you look at the NBA draft this year, you look at guys like Bobo and you look at guys like um, uh, from USF, um, Taco Fall,
1: Ta- Taco Fall. Yep.
2: I think when you look at the two of those guys, Taco Fall is a traditional center and Bobo and is not. He tries to shoot from the perimeter.
1: Yeah. Do you do you
2: think that there is going to be a return of the big man?
1: I don't.
3: I don't I think that we might. I think Embiid kind of uh could be the turning point for that. Him and Jokic, I think it'll be a hybrid big. That they can do more than that, but I think we'll see more centers involved instead of what the Warriors did with small ball, I mean, because teams are getting bigger now it feels like especially in the East.
2: Yeah, bigger shooting. I mean, you even look at Draymond Green. His his shooting percentage is, is, is interesting to look at. I think that he's going to get a ton of shots this season. Will he make a ton of them? We'll see, but I think that, you know, that inside game definitely was 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 a, a turning point with the Warriors uh, kind of pioneering that and small ball in the NBA.
1: But, Scoop, you got one more team to name, before the Pacers fall at six, so who's it going to be? Um, <laughs> no one. I hate you.
2: Um, <laughs> I don't want to disrespect you guys like that, Wes saying the Knicks because the Knicks still have to put it all together. I, I do think that. Um, I I think Orlando was still interesting to me. Detroit is interesting to me, but Detroit still got to put it together too. I kind of feel like it doesn't even matter at the top four because at the end of the day, um, I think that you guys getting Brandon really concerns me with Milwaukee when you look at the top two teams. Philadelphia, this is their chance right now, and I'm not delineating from your question, but um, Philadelphia to me just got that much better adding out Horford, by the way. Um, yeah. from a from a veteran standpoint, from a mentorship perspective with Embiid, and I think it's a put-up, shut-up year for their head coach. Uh, when you look at the, the, the Indiana Pacers, um, I really think that they're, they're – uh, I think depending on um, the health of – screw it. I think that it depends on the health of of a couple of factors and what a couple of teams do um, right before um, training camp and or the season starts. I'll tell you that I that I put out a report and I know these pieces to be true as it relates to the Miami Heat uh, chasing uh, the Thunder with with Chris Paul. I also know that the Miami Heat were interested um, in getting Carmelo Anthony if Chris Paul were to come to Miami. And so I think a situation. I guess I'm putting a placeholder there without embarrassing myself. But if there's a situation where Miami were to get those two guys, I do think that Miami Heat would be an automatic six seed. That's why so I'm you hesitant. You think they'd to be above that. the Pacers? Yeah, that's the only reason why. As I'm saying it, I'm thinking it. But I, I think that I think that 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 Miami Heat um, are going to do a lot better off than people give them credit for too. I think the Knicks and the Heat. Um, well, but I, mean, I think a. that the Miami, but I think the Miami, he'd have a better chance because they have Jimmy Butler already in the yeah. pan. We're talking about supposed with with Chris Paul and, and Carmelo Anthony. Yeah,
3: um, I mean, so I, if the- I like some of the pieces Miami has without adding Chris Paul with Bam Adebayo, those type of players. I mean, they got young guys that I think can develop. I'm not as big on the Knicks. I don't have them making the playoffs. Um, right. I think it's really between Orlando and Detroit for me. Uh, Toronto. I mean, those are all teams that I think will be fighting for six through eight. Um, I personally have the paces around four just because I feel like, you know, this is a team that always gets overlooked every single year. They've got a great coach Dave McMillan who always seems to find ways to win. It might not be the prettiest way, but they do win games. And, you know, the, the biggest question mark is so many different pieces have been added for me, and I think that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to, you know, just scream it from the top mountaintops that they're just going to be a great team. But I think they've gotten better players. I just think it's going to take time over the season to develop as a team.
2: Well, I like your assessment,
3: sir. All right. <laughs> well, it's been fun talking to you. I know that I know that we haven't agreed on everything, which is fun. It makes for a good conversation. And uh, maybe halfway through the season we can come back and look at where all these teams are at and see if any of your predictions about uh, where you see these teams at have come true. Let's do it. All right, Scoop. We appreciate it.
0: Thanks
3: right, a lot, Scoop. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See Alrighty. you guys. All right, Fauci, that does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net and clnsmedia.com. What would you think of today's show, Fauci? I had a great time talking with Scoopy as well as our friend Rohan, who's covering the
1: Bucks. I think you guys will enjoy, Oh, uh, well, I would imagine you guys enjoyed those interviews. But, hey, let us know how we're doing. Leave a rating and review. That way we know what to improve upon and what we're
3: doing well. And next week's episode will be the monumental 50th episode of Setting the Pace. So, pretty cool moment for us getting to episode 50. We're going to have to come up with something special for that, Faji.
1: We are, we are. And when you think of number 50, you got to think of Psycho T, Tyler Hansbro. But I can promise you the episode is going to be a lot better than, well, his career in the NBA. <laughs> all
3: right, everybody. You can Sorry, follow Psycho. on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. And for all of the latest. Check out Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter so you can see our meme of the day and all of our podcasts. So we'll talk to you later. Let's go Pacers.